Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. And this is Jay. This is your new Comics Wednesday episode for April 20th, 2022. Happy 420, everybody. If you celebrate, if you partake, neither, neither Jay nor I <laughs> do. It's not our world at all, but uh, we don't begrudge those that do. And uh, just be safe out there. And uh, kind of on that note, be sure you check out the other episode that drops today. It's a, it's a shorter one. Uh, it's only about 20 minutes. It's with writer Elliot Rahal, who's been on the show before, and he has a book dropping today called uh, The Cheechin Chong Chronicles, A Brief History of Weed. So 420, what a better <laughs> time for that to, to drop. And there's also an image comic today by Jerry Dugan that's uh, leaning into that. So uh, again, plenty of free material while you uh, take your tokes. Is that uh, while you smoke your weed and whatever? Uh, I don't understand the lingo. It's not my world, as I said, but I uh, hope you all have a great 420. That being said, it is sort of a, a smaller week this week. Um, we, we only had about 10 DC titles. And if you're looking for those, uh, check out our DC spotlight that dropped yesterday. There are spoilers. Uh, as always, this New Comics Wednesday episode will keep it pretty much spo spoiler free, but not a big week, which is always great on the pocketbook. So Jay and I are going to go ahead and uh, dive right in, talk about some of the books that we got a chance to read already. And uh, let's see, I guess we'll kick it off with uh, with Captain America, Captain America number zero. Uh, this is written by the teams that are writing the two different Captain America books that spin out of this. So this is a zero issue. But then I guess next month we're getting a Captain America symbol of truth. Number one that stars Sam Wilson. And then uh, there's also a Captain America Sentinel of Liberty. Number one that stars Steve Rogers. So the, the, the writers of those two books, uh, and I know I'm going to butcher this guy's name. I think it's Tochi Onobuchi. 
Uh, he's the one writing the Sam Wilson book. And then we have Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly writing the Steve Rogers book. Uh, Mattia de Lewis does the uh, art in this particular zero issue. We have Joe Caramagna on letters. And uh, Mattia, this looks all digitally painted to me. And it, it's very almost reminiscent of like Alex Ross art in a lot of ways. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty solid art. So uh, what do you think of this zero issue setting up the two Captain America series going forward, Jay? It was pretty good. I just like the idea that, you know, they did a team up together. They both got their shields. Uh, they're fighting um, uh, Zola. But you're talking about the artwork. The artwork I like is because um, it's bright. You know, it's like uh, Captain America is supposed to be a beacon of hope and justice. So I just like that. It's all bright and white colors to show that, you know, it's not dark and gloomy. Um, again, it's a good team up. It's fun. Uh, the ending's kind of cool. And uh, like I said, I think it's a good way for the two characters to split off and do their own books. But uh, it was a solid issue through and through. I like I like the story and I like the bannering going on with the with the bad guy. You know, trying to downplay their heroism and you know they shouldn't be doing this. But you know, Captain America goes, you know, he's a he's a boy scout. He's like, no, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, if there's one thing that we can say, it's that Captain America and Steve Rogers, um, their relationship goes back, you know, decades back to when in the '70s the book was called. Captain America and Falcon. So, you know, I, I've never been a big Sam Wilson guy. I've never really cared when he was the Falcon. I, I don't really care when he's Captain America either. Uh, and I'm not a, really a fan of the actor that plays him in the, uh, in the movies. So I'm not really interested in that story, but I am very interested in the Steve Rogers story. And I don't necessarily mind that there are two Captain Americas because we have two Spider-Men, <laughs> you know, we have Miles Morales and we have Peter Parker and over in uh, DC, we have two, maybe even more Aquaman. So Aquaman, I guess you'd say. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Uh, and two Batman for that matter. It's kind of weird that they're just making these new characters and calling them the same thing uh, when the old one's still around, but whatever, I guess it, it, that's just the way of the world these days. So anyway, uh, the, the, maybe the thing I love the most about this Captain America uh, zero though, is the wraparound cover by Mark Brooks. Cause man, I love myself a Mark Brooks cover and uh the, the one that he did is is fantastic because it shows just a ton of old school captain america uh characters on it so you got steve rogers you have modok you have dum dum duggan you have the jim raymond version of uh the human torch you have red skull you have baron zemo you have the winter soldier you have bucky you have sharon carter like it just goes on and on and on and on so uh I, it's just, it's fantastic. So I definitely picked myself that cover for sure. Uh, all right. Let me go on to the first book I'm going to talk, talk about. Uh, it's Avengers number, let me get it up in front of me. Avengers number 55, Judgment Day is coming on the front. AXE, Avengers versus uh, Eternals and X Men. You know, that war is on its way. But first, we get this little bit of a, a setup issue, I guess we'll say a little bit following on the, on the fallout of what happened in the first arc coming out of uh, issue 50 with the multiversal masters of evil. So uh, we see that there is a, a character from a recent Jason Aaron event. And if you have been reading Marvel for the last year, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but that character survived that event. Uh, and he plays a pretty important role in this issue. You could almost say he's, he's the main character. So we're seeing Jason Aaron's kind of shift some things around on the board. 
and uh, get ready for this big giant battle. Now he's got this multiversal masters of evil. He's got the Avengers forever event going on where he's leaning into the multiverse. And that's where the Robbie Reyes ghostwriter is right now. And it, it really seems like he's, I don't want to say he's run out of ideas for the main universe, but he's really leaning into all this multiversal stuff, which, you know, I remember the Marvel zombies used to make fun of DC for having to come up with stories by doing that. And now, I don't know, maybe, you know, 30 years later, Marvel's running out of ideas and they're doing the same thing, or maybe it's just, you know, Jason Aaron having fun. Uh, What I will say is that as far as uh, a big bad in Marvel, Mephesto's really been kind of elevated a lot in recent years. Um, and, And he's always been powerful, but he, I don't know, he's never really had that killer instinct, so to speak. Like he always seems like he's defeated relatively easily. He's not, you know, the threat level of somebody like a dark side or a Galactus or something, but that seems like it's changing a little bit and he's becoming much more of a threat. So uh, I do like that idea, but at the same time, Mephesto, eh, maybe because he's, he's somewhat, somewhat of a mustache twirling villain, you know, he doesn't really have a good motivation. He's not a, a complicated character, like a Dr. Doom or Dr. Octopus, where you can kind of see where he's coming from. Mephesto's just a bad guy, you know, like there's no redeeming quality. There's nothing relatable about him. So it does make him a little bit boring, but uh, in the hands of the right writer, leveling him up with this uh, kind of newfound killer instinct, if you will, may make him more interesting. So I guess we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. Uh, Okay. Next up on the list for Jay, one of his favorite books uh, Ice Cream Man. This is from W. Maxwell Prince, art by Martin Morazzo, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and lettering by Good Old Neon. So uh, you were saying before we were recording that this is one of the weirder issues of Ice Cream Man we've had in a while. Oh, yeah. It's really, uh, it goes down a dark tunnel quick. Uh, pretty much covers a man that just uh, lost like his best friend named Will, <laughs> which is funny because living Will. And it's pretty much the ice cream man. He kind of like uh, narrates the story sometimes, but he's got a really big key role in this because he pretty much takes over after the intro of the story. And it's pretty much uh, talking about someone's life and um, the regrets they make and the things they leave behind for those that the, when they pass on. And it turns out to be like uh, bizarre when the, his friend, you know, gets introduced in that world and see all this, the regrets that someone leaves behind. It, it was it wasn't a bad story. It was like I said, it wasn't bad, but it uh, it is a little creepy because it kind of makes you think, man, I hope I don't leave a bunch of regret and a bunch of weird stuff behind when I go. <laughs> but uh, that's ice cream man for you, though. You know, they always make you kind of think a little bit in some of their stories. <laughs> yeah, it's such a really interesting title. Uh, I still haven't jumped on board, but one of these days. One of these days, I'm going to do a huge binge and get caught up. So we'll see. Uh, All right. Up next for me, Aerosmith Behind Enemy Lines. This is uh, number four, North and West. It's from Kurt Busick and Carlos Pacheco. Uh, Pacheco obviously handling the pencil duties. Kurt Busick handling the writing, but I think they plot it together. That's why they're just both credited as uh, without any title. (laughs) It doesn't say writer, Kurt Busick, artist, Carlos Pacheco or anything like that. Um, Jose Rafael Fonterez is credited as the inker, Jose Villarubia as the colorist, and Tyler Smith and Jimmy Betancourt from Comic Craft are uh, credited as the letters. Now, before I talk about this book, I do want to send our best wishes to Carlos Pacheco, who apparently since uh, late last year has been 
kind of having trouble getting around. Uh, he's been suffering some paralysis in one of his legs. He's been going to the doctor, trying to figure it out and whatnot, and come to find out after a lot of doctor visits and x-rays and whatnot, they found out that he had a slight uh, fracture in one of his vertebrae, and it was causing it to be misaligned, which was pinching one of his nerves that goes to his leg, which was causing the, the paralysis. So he just recently had spinal surgery. He's going to be taking an extended absence. He's not going to be able to uh, sit at the drawing table for a while. In fact, he's going to have to go through physical therapy and learn how to walk again, uh, at least somewhat. Um because that one leg is going to be kind of wonky for a while. So we want to wish him the best. He's a fantastic, talented creator. I'm pretty sure Aerosmith was all drawn. Uh, I mean, it's been a lot of years that they've been waiting to bring this back. So um, if anybody was wondering, though, about Pacheco leaving Fantastic Four, he mentioned that in his uh, post on social media, that the reason that he left Fantastic Four was because he couldn't commit to it because of these uh, physical things that he was going through. So again, we wish him the best hope for a speedy and, and full recovery. Uh, as far as the book goes, man, Aerosmith is so good. So I never, I wasn't reading comics. I don't think the first time it came around, at least I'd never heard of it. Um, if you're not familiar, it's sort of a, a mashup of, of our modern world and, uh, and magic and fantasy. So it's set during world war two, but there is magic and there are little dragonettes that help some of the soldiers fly. And, um, the United States is called uh, Columbia because it was discovered by Columbus and the United Kingdom was called Albion, which is, you know, kind of the old name for it King, during King Arthur times and Germany's called Prussia. And yeah, everything is just sort of mashed up and different. And there are trolls and there are uh, werewolves and there are fairies and there's all kinds of uh, other things and uh, that, that, you know, are straight out of like a J.R.R. Tolkien uh, book. So it, the mashup is wonderful. The story that's being told here is about this uh, airman who, who ba basically an airman is somebody who has a, a pet dragon who is able to fly because of the dragon sharing his flight ability. Because apparently in this world, part of what allows a dragon to fly is, is magic. It's not actually, you know, like physics, like a bird or whatnot. Uh, but anyway, this airman whose last name is Aerosmith that's where the name of the book comes from. He goes behind enemy lines. He's on the secret mission to try to uh, do something. And we don't know what until this issue, this issue, we find out what exactly his mission is, why he allowed himself to be captured in the second issue, or might've been at the end of the first issue. And I think it was the second issue that he allowed himself to be captured uh, and taken behind enemy lines. And now we find out um, the person that he went back, got captured and, and went, uh, and was in a POW camp and they escaped last issue. We find out who that guy is and why they put this Aerosmith together with the other character and what their mission is. So uh, again, it's a really wonderful, really rich and detailed world that they've created. Uh, and if you haven't read the first Aerosmith series, because this is the second one, I think the first one was six issues. Uh, it's collected in trade. It's pretty easy to find. But that being said, you don't, I haven't gone back and read the first Aerosmith volume, although I want to. Um, I think I ordered it on Amazon, uh, but I don't think it's shown up yet. But anyway, uh, I haven't gone and read that first series yet, that first volume. And I am not lost at all. Like, I am really, really enjoying this. Like, this is a book that when I see it in my press preview, I'm like, oh, I'm reading that first. Like, it goes right up to the top of the stack. It's that good. And that Carlos Pacheco art. It's very subtle. It's very relatable. He does a great job of making the, the magic feel 
I don't want to say pedestrian or mundane, but it's very much integrated into the world. It's almost like these people that live in this world take it for granted. And why wouldn't you, right? This magic is just a thing. They're not necessarily awed by it or whatever. So I do recommend it. It's one of the best books being put out today and uh, fantastic art, beautifully paced, uh, really, really digging Aerosmith. So check it out if you are so inclined. Uh, All right. Up next from Jay, we have Wolverine number 20. This is from writer Benjamin Percy. Adam Kubert does the art. Frank Martin and Diho Lima on colors, Corey Petit on letters. And uh, there's a fantastic Tyler Kirkham variant cover that shows off Deadpool's butt, if that's your thing. Uh, anyway, what do you think, Jay? I think I'll get that cover. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is my book of the week because uh, the Wolverine title has always been a, you know, a serious, you know, a, a title. There's nothing you know silly about it. But this one. It's different because we get uh, the narrator to be uh, Deadpool, which is, you know, he's a character and he knows that he's a comic character and it's hilarious. The whole aspect of the story is, you know, he's trying to uh, join the X-Men for some reason. So he's trying to get on the island in various uh, fashion. Wolverine has a side mission that he has to do because from the last thing, uh, when he was, I guess, time leaping, I guess, with Xavier, he lost something, so he's trying to find that. So if you read the series, you know what I'm talking about. If not, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but uh, he gets a team up with Deadpool in this, so I'm sure it's going to be probably another issue with uh, these two in it. So it should be pretty fun. But uh, that's the whole premise as they're trying to work together to find uh, something Wolverine's missing. But it was yeah. a great, it's a great issue. Yeah, it happened right at the end. I can't remember if it was in 10 Lives of Wolverine or 10 Deaths of Wolverine, but it, I think it was 10 Deaths of Wolverine. It happened right at the end. Right. And you were like, oh, wasn't expecting that. Uh, and I didn't realize, I mean, Benjamin Percy wrote both of those series and he writes Wolverine. So it makes sense that he's playing into that, but I didn't realize he was going to do that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Kind of a MacGuffin hunt. Uh, all right. Next book I'll mention is land of the living gods. Number three, none of this is normal. I hope I don't mispronounce this name. I'm afraid I do every time, but I think it's Isaac Mogajane. Uh, Santos is the artist and does the colors. Dave Sharp on letters. This continues to be a really interesting book. Again, I I don't really have much context. The Land of the Living Gods really pulls from a lot of uh, African mythology. And it's it's kind of the story. It's set in the far future, kind of post-apocalyptic. And these these African-Americans, well, I guess they're not African-Americans. They're just Africans because they're living in Africa. Um, But these people of color are there and they're struggling to survive and they feel like their gods have uh, abandoned them. And there's the, the main character is this albino whose mother recently died. And she seems to have a connection to the gods. And she's trying to understand why the, the gods have seemingly abandoned them and let the world kind of fall to pieces. Uh, and so she's on this journey to try to commune with the gods, try to understand, try to communicate with them, try to bring them back. And um, in the first issue, she gets captured and sort of, sold into slavery, which is a really interesting aspect of the story, considering that these are, you know, persons of color that are selling other persons of color. I mean, again, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very bad situation. Like everybody is, is, you know, resources are scarce and whatnot. So this isn't the first kind of uh, story that we've seen like this, where people are selling others of the, of the same kind. And of course, Africa has always been very tribal, but there is that, you know, political subtext to it. So uh, I'm really interested in it. It's such a big story in scope. Um, 
I think it's six issues because this is issue three and it feels like the story is barely getting started. So hopefully it's selling well enough that we're going to get a second volume because I have a feeling that Moga Jane has a lot more to tell in the story. And uh, even though I don't have the context of African myth to fall back on, I find it to be a a really interesting story. And also the Santos art, it's a little stylized, but it works very, very well for the story. The backgrounds are extremely light, but uh, it works to put the focus on the characters and their uh, emotion because, you know, these are people that are damaged. These are people that are living through very hard times. And so their emotions are very close to the surface uh, and, and that's portrayed very well in the, in the art, in the line work. So, uh, all right. Up next from Jay slumber chapter two called shadow play. It's from writer, Tyler Burton Smith, Vanessa Cardinal does the illustrating Simon Robbins on colors, Steve Wands on letters and design. What'd you think of this one? Yeah. I like the story because like the first one, we know that uh, the main character session, she uh, is a, uh, I guess a nightmare hunter. So she goes into your dreams and she finds what's terrorizing you and gets rid of it. Uh, we also know there's a detective uh, Finch. who's an officer that uh, <clears throat> keeps having dreams where he's like killing people. So this one goes into more of the story of, you know, what's really happened in his life. And then in Stetson, she's got a lot of little secrets in that dream world, which she always goes to tools. Two worlds will collide and they got to work together. And I guess they're kind of looking for the same uh, character that's ruining both their lives which is kind of cool. The ending's really, well, like I said, the ending's really cool, and uh, I look forward to the next issue. It should be pretty awesome. But I like the series so far, though. Fair enough. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but sounds interesting. Uh, another series that I have been reading from Image is The Good Asian from writer Pornsack Pichichote. Alexander Tefegni is the artist. Lee Luffridge does colors. Jeff Powell on letters and design. Uh, this is the final issue. And man, this, this book was so good. Uh, this is issue number 11 as it, uh, as it finishes at 11, maybe it's 10. Um, no, yeah, 10, sorry. Issue number 10. I think it was supposed to be nine issues originally and it ended up being 10, but, uh, regardless, it was a really great story and, uh, it leaned into this idea of, kind of the prejudice against Chinese in uh, the 1940s when it takes place in, uh, or 1930s rather, when it takes place in Chinatown in San Francisco with the Chinese Exclusion Act and and this and that. But um, although that's the the beginning of the story kind of leans on that and sort of establishes that as part of the the background of the story, part of the setting, it, it, this is very much a crime noir story. This is a, you know, like a crime noir novel more than more than anything uh, in comic book form, not necessarily a, a film. So there's lots of twists and turns. There's lots of characters and you have to read it carefully in order to understand what's going on and, and make sure you don't miss any of the clues because there are a lot of clues there that sort of help you figure it out. So this last, this last issue does sort of spell it all out and explain everything that's happened throughout the series. And uh, I just love the, the how rich the world is that, Pichichote and Tefegni have created here. And the, the character of Edison Hark, the main character of the series, is just, he's fascinating. And what happens to him, his evolution as a character uh, throughout the series and uh, where he ends up from where he started, the journey he goes on and takes and where he is at the end is very intriguing to me. And what I love to see is on the very last page, it says Edison Hark will return. So uh, that is very good to know. So, I mean, that tells me that the series has sold well enough 
that these creators are going to be able to bring uh, another volume of uh, good Asian or another, they may call it something else, uh, but another story with uh, Edison Hark in it. And that's a very good thing. And the, the artwork by Tefegni, I've talked about it throughout how wonderful his artwork is in terms of establishing the uh, the time period, the 1930s, and still having it have that noir feel that you you need the, this type of story to have. So, uh, okay, last book that Jay and I read is Hulk number six, the Smashronaut finale. It's by Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley. Donnie writer, Ryan uh, uh, doing the artwork, but obviously they're both working on the story together. Cliff Rathburn is the inker. Frank Martin does the colors. Corey Petit on letters. There's a big new character introduced in this issue number six, which is an interesting concept, but uh, unfortunately this book is kind of going the way that I expected. You know, when I heard it was Hulk in, in space, sort of, it's more Hulk dimension hopping, but it's still Hulk, not as the sort of grounded angry monster that I prefer him as and coming on the heels of the really out there, existential, esoteric, big idea, a Mortal Hulk series from Al Ewing, I'm ready for a more grounded Hulk story. And that's not what we're getting here. So I know Donnie Hulk, uh, Donnie Cates, Donnie Hulk. <laughs> I know Donnie Cates has a huge following. Uh, he definitely has his supporters, guys that love his over-the-top high-octane action. Um, and maybe I would with the right character, or if it was different timing, but I just feel like for it's been forever since we've had a more traditional Hulk book. And so this is just not what I'm, I'm looking for. That being said, the idea of this new character who's introduced is really intriguing. And some of the ideas that he and Otley are exploring in terms of Bruce's psyche, you know, he's building off of building blocks that have come from the past, whether that's, Al Ewing asking the, the question from the very first cover of the very first Hulk book, right? Man or monster. Um, so there are aspects to the psyche and who the Hulk is um, and how he relates to Bruce Banner that are interesting that Donnie seems like he's going to play with some of those tropes. So that aspect of the story is interesting to me. The Ryan Otley art, it's, I mean, it's Ryan Otley art, right? Like if you've ever seen an invincible comic, you know what to expect. There's a lot of blood and guts and, people being dismembered and flying body parts. And yeah, it's, I mean, he's, if that's the crazy story that Donnie wants to tell, then Ryan Otley is the perfect artist for this book. So um, I'm still along for the ride because it's Hulk and he's one of my favorite characters, but yeah, it's not really, it's not climbing up to the top of my stack anytime soon. So what'd you think, Jay? Oh, I agree. I, I kind of miss the old Hulk. And uh, I mean, as a kid, as one of my first books reading as a kid was, you know, Hawk Smash, you know, it was just an awesome story. And it's just uh, different because the last series we had, that was just a different aspect of what we're doing with the character. And now we're going to like the Space Hawk. But uh, the idea is kind of interesting, you know, in a sense. And uh, the new character, it's like, OK, so I guess you're going to make some money. I mean, you did it, baby, because uh, people are going to be buying that left and right. And, you know, they're going to sell fast. I guarantee you this is going to sell fast. Yeah, and we also know from all the marketing that Marvel does what's coming up next, which is Hulk Thor, which is, you know, a classic matchup from the very beginning of the Marvel age. So, and Donnie writes both books, so it's really easy to coordinate a crossover. So we're going to get like, I don't know, four or five issues of a big 
brawl between Hulk and Thor. And, you know, it, it, it'll be fun. Probably none of these fights ever truly determine, you know, who's going to win based. Okay. Now we're going to get the definitive Hulk Thor battle. And we're going to know who's the strongest. No, like I, I love when people <laughs> ask on social media, they're like, well, who would win a fight between such and such and such and such, whoever the writer wants, that's what matters at the end of the day, whatever services the story, any character can beat any other character given the right circumstances based on the needs of the story. So, you know, at the end of this big Thor Hulk battle, we're still not going to know who who's truly more powerful Hulk or Thor. Uh, you may make your own determination based on who, which character you like the most. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that we'll, we'll really know, but yeah, you're right. I think this issue will sell out uh, based on this new character, I guess we'll call him this introduced. So yeah, in, in the way that null was a thing and God of hammers is a thing. This character Titan is his name is going to be a thing. So uh, with that being said, that's uh, all the books that we're going to talk about in detail. I will run down a list of some other titles you might want to be on the lookout for today. So starting off with uh, Aftershock, we talked about Land of the Living Gods. We also have the second issue of uh, We Live, Age of Paladins, which I, I need to go back and reread the first We Live story so I can get into this Paladin story. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm behind on it. Uh, we also have the final issue of Knighted, this is issue number five, Knighted from Mark Teixeira and AWA Studios. Also the third of four issues of Primos uh, from them is also out today. New magic series, Magic the Hidden Planeswalkers, number one of four is out today. And there's also a new Vampire Slayer series from a boom called Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Issue number one uh, is in shops. Uh, Stranger Things, Kamachatka, number two of four is out from Dark Horse, as well as Black Hammer Reborn, number 11 of 12, uh, from DC. And again, you can go listen to our DC spotlight to hear our thoughts on these Batman Superman world's finest number two from Mark Wade, Batman, the night number four of 10 from uh, Chip Zdarsky with Carmen A. D. Jean Domenico on art. I should also mention the Dan Moore is on the art for world's finest and it's fantastic art. Uh, Catwoman number 42 Catwoman Lo lonely city number three of four, which is probably my book of the week over everything. It, it was so fantastic. Uh, Earth prime number two of six which stars Superman and Lois from the TV show flash number seven eighty one from writer, Jeremy Adams. That's a one and done issue. And it's probably the best one and done issue I've read in a long time. Jeremy Adams, he really writes superhero comics that you can give to anybody all ages, really, really accessible. Uh, James Tynan and Alvaro Martinez Bueno, nice house on the lake. Number eight, uh, Nightwing number 91. We've got Robbins number six, which brings the Tim Seeley Baldemar Rivas story to an end. Uh, Trial of the Amazons gets its penultimate chapter with Trial of the Amazons Wonder Girl number two. And then finally, we have Wonder Woman Evolution number six with a uh, story by Stephanie Phillips, art by Mike Hawthorne. Uh, over at Image, in addition to the books that we talked about, there's also Philadelphia number 21, uh, The Secret History of the War on Weed number one. Uh, which is this crazy over-the-top one-shot. Uh, I think it has art by Scott Koblish, but I know it's written by Jerry Dugan, but it, it's so 80s, it's crazy. Uh, so if you're a big fan of the 80s, big fan on weed, or just want to celebrate 420, maybe give that a look. Also, we have uh, Walking Dead Deluxe number 37. Obviously, this is a reprint of The Walking Dead with the color 
that we've been talking about uh, for a while now it comes out twice a month. And basically Robert Kirkman is still making money off Walking Dead comics, even though the comic ended a long time ago. Uh, he's reprinting the entire series in color. So check that out if you are so inclined. Uh, for Marvel Comics, in addition to the books that we talked about, there's a Doctor Strange one shot called Doctor Strange Nexus of Nightmares. Uh, we also have the uh, 11th issue of Shang-Chi, Spider-Gwen, Gwenverse number two of five from uh, Tim Seeley is also out today. And I think that's it. Uh, anything else that you wanted to shout out, Jay? Oh, yeah, we got, uh, what is it, uh, uh, A Blaze, Animal Castle, number five. That's been a great story, and the artwork is really spot on. That's by Xavier uh, Dorison and uh, Felix Deleep. And uh, you talk about Darkers. Did you mention the collector, uh, Unit 731? I did one? not. Yeah, well, if you know history, Unit 731 was like super evil. They're worse than the Nazis. They're a Japanese uh, prison camp that did ferocious uh uh, experiments to a bunch of uh, POWs, but uh, it should be interesting. I'm gonna see how they cover the story, but uh, it's the writers Will uh, Conrad and artist by Marco Lesco and uh, Rod uh, Monterio. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, it's caught my eye, and I, I know what that's the history of that that uh, Unit Seven Thirty One is about. But I'm looking forward to that. That's by Dark Horse. Yeah, that sounds pretty brutal. So. Uh, anyway, that does it for this episode, everybody. Hope you get a chance to get out to your comic shop. As we said, uh, if you celebrate 420, please do so safely and have a great time. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening as always, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.